Hey, this is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's John 14, verses 15 through 31. I got you. Jesus' promises, the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even in the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for your word, for the ability to gather here as believers. I ask that you would just allow us to feel you in your presence tonight, that you would be with Caesar as he delivers this message, that you would just allow the Holy Spirit to fall on this place. In your name I pray, amen. amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you all again uh, tonight, uh, despite the rain and all that's happening and, you know, Queen Elizabeth passing and there's just so much to, if you didn't know that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy day, you know? All right, you better stop y'all. Like, this is not my fault that you don't know how to check the news, you know, okay? You can check that all later. This is my fault. This is, hold on, hold up. This is my fault. Let's get back together on this. Um, so I'm excited uh, for a multitude of reasons, but uh, primarily we are starting a new sermon series. Can you get the graphic up? <laughs> I promise it's not blank. I promise there's something. Yeah, this is, this is really meta right here. It's like uh, all right, whatever, it's fine. Ah, there it is. Perfect. 
Here it is, the presence and the power. And so if you were here last week, you uh, may have heard or remember that we are starting a three-month, yes, I say three-month long series focused on the person and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm excited for, for, for mainly for two reasons. One, because I'm not an expert on this. And so you're like, what? Why should we listen to you? Uh, I won't be the only one teaching in this sermon series. We're going to have a, a series of different teachers, both from this young adult community, uh, but also some of our teaching pastors. Uh, Brady will be coming in as well um, to help uh, facilitate our time as we gain understanding on who the person of the Holy Spirit is. But the other reason I'm excited is because any time you see in the scriptures when people pursue a relationship with the Holy Spirit, crazy things happen. Like things, like things just happen. Like you look, you look at the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit descends on the, the Jewish people and then on the Gentiles. Things happen. It's crazy things happen. Things are, are unexplainable, unimaginable. And it becomes a, a normative part of the Christian life. And I honestly miss seeing that. I'm not saying that, that what we're, we're going to experience in the next three months is going to be exactly like what we see in the book of Acts. I mean, it'd be cool if we had 3,000 people come to faith every day. That'd be awesome. Not because we would have more people in this community, but because 3,000 people every day would come from death to life in the name of Jesus. And that'd be awesome. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see massive healings. I'd love to see uh, people prophesying, having visions. I, I'd love to see this community impact this church and the surrounding community. I'd love to see all of that, but I'm not an expert on any of it. But the good thing is the Holy Spirit is, and all he asks is that we pursue him. But I often recognize that he is not someone that many of us know. There is a, uh, a short video clip that circulated uh, on TikTok and um, uh, it's, it's uh, this year and it's from uh, family, it's like an audio, you probably didn't watch the video, but you heard the audio. Um, it's from an episode of Family Feud and um, it's the final round of Family Feud and this woman um, is about to start the round and she goes, hey Steve, hold on. You'll probably know as soon as I say it. Uh, she says, Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate, activate, activate. Right, right, so whatever. That's what, it, that's what the audio is. And if you watch the original clip of the video, what you see in the background is you hear a woman going, oh, no, 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 darling, no. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That's horrible. Like, that's not even like a, it's comical at best, but it's also very revealing of how little we understand the person of, that is the Holy Spirit. At best, we treat the Holy Spirit like he's some kind of magical force, some aura, some positive vibes being sent your way. So then when you go to the DMV and you're waiting in line and you're waiting to get to the end, you're just like, Holy Spirit, activate. Come on, Holy Spirit, you got this. Or the next time you're taking a test you didn't study for, Holy Spirit, activate. Like, come on. And that's, honestly, that's a sucky way to see a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If someone were to ask you, who is the Holy Spirit? What would be your answer? See, the, the Holy Spirit is often the most unknown person of the triune God. And yet the Holy Spirit plays a massive role in our walk with Jesus. I'm gonna make this claim. I'm gonna stick by it throughout this whole series. But it is impossible, not improbable or unlikely. It is impossible to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit present in that person's life. Impossible. And if you're like, well, I haven't had one, then you, let's talk about this. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying maybe you need to start figuring out who 
this person is. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. So this person is the one that enables us to be a Christian. Why is it that we know so little about the Holy Spirit? You know, for those of us who have been journeying with Jesus, how many of us have had moments of deep frustration and disappointment about your relationship with God? Anybody? Cool. Me too. Have you ever wondered why maybe like a particular sin always seems to have victory over you? Or has your experience been that when you're tempted by sin or tempted, you easily fall into old habits and patterns? Have you ever wondered why maybe it's really hard for you to to find long periods of love, joy, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or maybe do you constantly feel like God is always distant and constantly judging you and waiting for you to mess up? Many, if not all of these scenarios mentioned stem from the fact that we do not share an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we look at our relationship with God like he's playing chess or that the Christian life is like something that God hands you like it's a Rubik's cube and you gotta find a way to get to it. But God is not trying to trick you. He wants you to be able to walk the Christian life that he's laid out for you. He wants you to have victory over your sin. He wants you to know that he's close. He desires us to live this life of joy, peace, patience, and all other things I mentioned. He desires it for us, but because we don't know who the Holy Spirit is and because we don't know what he does, we become frustrated and discouraged in our journey with Jesus because we miss out on the power and presence of God through the Spirit. And so this makes the whole Christian life feel like it's impossible. And what do you do when something's impossible? You just give up. And listen, as I've prepared for this message, I've just, I just I, I read a Facebook post of a good friend who used to walk in the faith and, and they no longer walk with Jesus. And as they explained why they left the, the faith, it ultimately stemmed from the fact that he said, this whole Christian thing seemed like a nice idea, but I could never get to it. And I'm tired of reading messages like that. I'm tired of seeing good friends of mine leave the faith or hearing story after story of people just walking away from Jesus. I hate the fact that Satan has convinced so many of the people in this room that sin will always have victory over us, that we so easily give in to the lies that cause us to run from Jesus instead of running to him. I'm tired of it. And I can imagine some of you are too. But we know that this is a reality for many of us, nonetheless, this struggle. We want to walk with Jesus, but we feel like it's impossible to do it, right? This is why I think that over the last few months, we believe that the Holy Spirit has led the young adult leadership team to begin this new series called The Presence and the Power. And so over the next three months, every week, we're going to focus and and, and study how the Holy Spirit fills disciples of Jesus with the presence and the power of God. And that ultimately leads to a transformed, spirit-filled life. So we're not gonna cover all of that tonight. We got three months for that. But tonight it's more of just an intro. So what we're gonna do tonight is look at the question of why do we need the Holy Spirit? Simple, why do we need him? Let's turn attention again to John 14. 
So if again, you were here with us last week, you remember that we were in the first half of this chapter, so the context is exactly the same. But I'll, for those of you who weren't, I'm gonna give it anyway. Uh, we're in the beginning of the farewell discourse with just Jesus' last teachings before he goes and gets crucified. And so these words, this discourse, were meant to serve as a guide to the way of Jesus, but also to serve as a comfort to them, to the disciples, knowing that there would be difficulties ahead. And so Jesus, knowing that the disciples would have questions and doubts, concerns, and a moment of faith crisis, this is what he says to them in verse 14 and 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we'll get to more about that later. But he says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, who is that helper? Verse 26 says, man, some of y'all just let me finish. Some of these are rhetorical questions. Uh, Verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. So we know the helper is the Holy Spirit. And now this is a big deal because this is the first time in in the gospel of John where Jesus explicitly mentions the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit in light of the fact that disciples are about to enter into a time of trial and tribulation. And so the Holy Spirit here is meant to serve as a guide and as a comfort. But before we answer the question, why do we need need the Holy Spirit? We have to ask this question first. Who in the world is the Holy Spirit? So for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to put your Bible study goggles on because we're going to take a deep dive into the Old Testament because in the New Testament, it's pretty easy to see how the Holy Spirit moves and works, but we need to understand the Old Testament to understand what Jesus is saying here in John 14. And as we go through the various parts of the Old Testament, I want you to look at how the Holy Spirit present, manifests the presence and power of God. So the best place to start is in the beginning of beginnings. Yeah, Genesis. Chapter one, verse one. There's no guessing here. Literally flip your Bible all the way to the beginning, past the index, past verses the Old Testament. Chapter one, verse one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is at the beginning of creation. Okay, we, we often think about creation and go, oh, God was there. But the spirit was also present. And what is the spirit doing? It says that he's hovering over the face of the waters. And so what that doesn't mean is that he's like just surfing and in the chaos. He's like, well, this is great. No, because the world of Genesis 1, prior to God speaking things into existence, is a world that is completely anti-life. Nothing can live in a world of chaos. Now, what the author of Genesis is revealing here is that the Holy Spirit is the one who interacts with the chaos that existed in verse 1 and 2. So when it says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, it means that he interacted with the chaos of the world. And what happens right after the Holy Spirit interacts with the world? Creation happens. And so this shows that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings order to chaos and brings life where there is death. But then we see continuing in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, when God creates man, Adam, he breathed the breath of life onto him. 
You might be thinking, okay, that's breath. What does it do with anything? Well, here's the thing. The Hebrew word for spirit in breath is the same word. It's the word ruach. You say that with me? Ruach. Ruach. Great. Just a little bit of guttural in there. Get that phlegm out. And so ruach is used to, descri- to, uh, to de- de- define spirit, breath, and wind. And we see this word come up constantly throughout the Old Testament narrative. But now the next time that we see uh, the ruach of God is at work is in the book of Exodus. And so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 14. And so this is part of the story where the Jewish people have been enslaved by Egypt and God sends his prophet Moses to set them free. Now, when I think about the book of Exodus, all I can really think about is the prince of Egypt, which is a bomb movie, whether you're Christian or not, like it's just awesome. And when, so when God sets his people free through Moses, God guides his people through the wilderness by providing a pillar of cloud in the morning and a pillar of fire in the evening. And as the people are following after God, Pharaoh has a change of heart, chases the people in order to enslave them again. And so God tells Moses, raise your staff over the water. And in the movie, it's crazy, right? Like he's like, oh, and it just, it's like it just spreads, right? And he just slams it on the ground like, like Gandalf, which is biblically inaccurate. Uh, that's not what happens. He just raises his staff over the water. And uh, Exodus 14, 21 says this, as, as, as Moses raises his staff over the waters, it says that the Lord drove the sea back by what? By a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And guess what the word for wind is here? Ruach. And we know that this is the spirit and not just some elemental wind that God used because it's attached to the work of God. When there's a clear tie between God displaying his power and the word ruach, we can almost be certain that it's the Holy Spirit at work. And so as we continue throughout the Old Testament narrative, what we see is that the Spirit of God demonstrated, demonstrates the power of God. And there's so much more to be read about, and I can't dive deep into it. We're going to be here forever if we do that. But what I hope that we're seeing is that the Holy Spirit is powerful. He is powerful. He's the one who can bring life where there is death. He can split the seas like we cut through butter, which is kind of hard if you've taken it out of the fridge. And he does it easily. And he does so much more. But the Old Testament also reveals not just the power of God, but he expresses the presence of God. Now in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon only certain people for a small period of time in order to accomplish a specific task. So the, the spirit would come upon the judges of Israel in the book of Judges, like, like Samson, remember that? He had long hair, super strength. Uh, some warriors like Joshua who would take over after Moses and, and he, the Holy Spirit would reside on all the prophets of Israel. But not everyone who followed after God got to experience the Holy Spirit. And if they did, it was only for a short period of time. But as we get to the end of the Old Testament narrative, God makes this prophecy through, the, through Joel, his prophet. And he says this in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. And you don't have to go looking for it. I'll read it for you. But if you want, you can write this down in your notebook. Joel 2, 28. 
It says that it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall have visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And what the, what the people of Israel could not yet see or even imagine was that when God says that he would pour out his spirit over the people, that it meant that all the power and presence that they had seen throughout the histories would someday be something that all believers and all followers of God would experience in fullness and at all times. And I think so many of us take it for granted. We just read about the Holy Spirit. It's a thing that we read about in the Bible. But you see, when an Old Testament person or even the disciples heard this, see, they would have known about the stories of how Moses split the seas and how Samson broke the pillars and killed the Philistines. They would have heard how Elijah called fire from the heavens and it consumed the false prophets. They would have heard countless accounts of the Spirit of God at work, and yet they still would not know what it meant for God to pour out his Spirit upon his people. And so when Jesus says to the disciples in verse 16, as a comfort that he would provide a helper, this is the kind of help he's providing. There's a scene in, uh, I don't know if you all have seen Billy Madison. It's an Adam Sandler movie. But Billy Madison uh, is a movie where Adam Sandler, he's a billionaire's kid. And uh, the only reason he even got through school is because his dad bribed and paid people off. And so the, the joke of the thing is he has to go back to school to complete his degree. And so he's, at, he's with elementary school kids and elementary school kids during that time had recess and they're playing dodgeball, right? Now imagine being like a 30 year old guy playing dodgeball with a 12 year old. <laughs> You're gonna wreck them, you know? And so, uh, so they're, they're, the scene happens where uh, they, the kids try to get Adam Sandler out and he catches the ball with one hand and he goes, oh, you're in trouble now. And for the next 30 seconds, he's just messing kids up with the dodgeball, hit them in the stomach, hit them in the head, and they're knocked out. And the reason I mentioned this illustration is because this is what it's like to have the Holy Spirit by your side. It's like a cheat code, unfair, unfair advantage. And yet we have no idea what it's like to actually live life with the Holy Spirit. So why would Jesus send this kind of help? Why would he send the big guns in? I mean, the spirit who split the seas. Why, why do we need that kind of help in our lives? Well, first, Jesus wants to make sure that his disciples have the same level of protection that they had when, they were, when Jesus was with them. Because remember, Jesus had been with his disciples for many years. And Jesus did some amazing things. This Jesus, the God-man, who could give sight to the blind, cause the lame to walk, bring the dead back to life, cause the storms to cease, and cast out any demon. Listen, if you were a disciple of Jesus and you saw all of that, you'd feel pretty secure. You're like, ain't nothing gonna touch me. But Jesus knew that he was going to leave. And he loves his disciples, so what is he to do? Well, he would make sure to leave those he loves in the hands of someone who could provide the same power and presence of Jesus. And who is that? It's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is not like the B team. He's not the runner up. He did not draw the short stick with us. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the A team. The Holy Spirit 
is God, just as Jesus is and just as the Father is. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit, the A-team, to help provide for his people. But only for his people. He says this in verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The power and presence of God is meant only for those who are in relationship with Jesus. But the second reason why Jesus sends this help is because he wants to ensure that the disciples would continue on the path that he had set out for them. See, the, the word that's being used here for helper in verse 16 is the Greek word paraclete. And then this, this word is more of a title than it is a name. Now, helper is the term used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But depending on what you're reading on, whether it's NIV or NLT or ESV, whatever you're reading, you might see that that word might be helper or advocate or counselor. And part of that reason is because paraclete means all of those things. It's actually a really difficult word to define and pin down in the English language. So instead of us trying to figure out, is he more of a counselor? Is he more of a helper? Is he more of an advocate? It's better for us to see what the Holy Spirit is in light of Jesus, because Jesus says that he's going to provide, that, that the Father will provide a helper or another helper. What does it say? Another helper. So who is the one who originally helped the disciples? Who is the one who is said to be the way to eternal life? Who is the one that is tasked with helping disciples see God? Jesus. This is not, usually the safe answer is Jesus. Jesus was, is the original paraclete. So when Jesus says that the spirit is another paraclete, he's saying that the disciples of Jesus are not getting a different kind of helper of a different category or a different league, but that the same level of help that Jesus provided the disciples, the Holy Spirit would now be the one to provide that help. See, Jesus knows something that the disciples did not know and that some of us may not recognize. I think some of us genuinely have been bait and switched into Christianity. The promise for a better life, the, the promise to an easier way. It's like, aren't you just tired of being sad? Jesus. Aren't you tired of it being hard? Jesus. And then guess what? And then you walk with Jesus and you're like, I'm still sad. This is still really hard. Why am I still a follower of Jesus? Why am I doing this? It's because the Christian walk is hard. And so we want to get people inside these rooms and so we kind of give them the half gospel, right? Hey, it'll be helpful. Don't worry, Jesus will help you. It'll be fine. I was like, oh, it's going to suck when they know it ain't going to work out that way. But like, that's not fair. So Jesus knows how difficult it's going to be to deny ourselves and carry our crosses. He knows it's going to be hard for us to walk the narrow way. He knows it's going to be hard for us to surrender ourselves completely to God. He knows it's going to be hard to forgive those who've abused us. He knows it's going to be hard to love those who feel unlovable. Listen, following Jesus most times will cost you everything. That's hard stuff. And this is why Jesus asked the Father, Father, they're going to need help. Have you seen that video? It's like, do, do I need Jesus to get to heaven? I need Jesus to get to Walmart. You know, but that's like reality. Like life is hard and we need help. We would never make it in this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. 
See, our life with God is contingent on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you like it or not, and no matter how proud you might feel, we need a divine helper to carry us while also empowering us to follow after God. Now, if you're here tonight and you feel defeated in your walk with God, I think God tonight wants to breathe new life into you. He does want you to know that he has not left you on your own. That's what Jesus says in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. What are orphans like? Defenseless and alone. He says, I will not leave you like orphans, but I will come for you. And we are most safe and secure when we have the Holy Spirit residing fully inside of us. Augustine, he's a theologian uh, from the early church, and he once said this, God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And the reason you can say that is because the Spirit of God resides deeply inside of you. He knows you. He cares for you. He loves you and is not going to give up on you. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, the Spirit of God is committed to helping you enjoy the wonders of life with God. So if you're here tonight and the Spirit is already starting to tug at your heart, I'm going to encourage you right now to listen In fact, I would even say, tune me out for the next 20 minutes and ask the Spirit what he wants to show you because I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit is a much better teacher than I am. Now, over the next few months, we're gonna hone in on what it means for the Holy Spirit to transform our daily lives. But before we engage in those next sermons, we have to first understand a foundational piece to our discipleship with Jesus. And this is this foundational piece. Jesus says this phrase three different times in verse 15 and verse 21 and verse 24. He says this to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, when you hear that, how do you hear Jesus saying that to you? It's pretty revealing. Do you hear him saying it as, if you love me, Very listen. Or, if you love me, you're going to follow the commandments. One is much more authoritative and saying, you better do it. The other one is, man, come and do it with me. You see, Christians run into the trap of believing that doing things for God is the same as loving God. And they're not the same. If doing things for God is all that God wanted you to do, he would just make you servants. But, but God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, about God's relationship with his people. This is what he says. I will be a boss to you. No, sorry, no. I will be your dictator. No, I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me. What God wants more than servants and doers is he he wants a family with us. And God is the one who initiates it. 1 John 4, 19 says that we love because God first loved us. And do you know how God demonstrated his love for us? Through action. By sending Jesus by Jesus healing and binding up wounds, by setting the captives free. Ultimately, Jesus demonstrates his love for us that he would let himself be crucified on the cross. 
You see, for Jesus, and what I hope we understand, and some of y'all who are dating are gonna learn this the hard way, love is more than just a four-letter word that you say when you feel bad. It's more than something you say to someone to make them feel good. It's like reading a, a, a rave review on Yelp. You can say McDonald's a five-star restaurant until you go to five, until you go to McDonald's. You're like, this is trash. Best at two. If it's, it reaches three when it's like 11 p.m. and I'm craving it, you know? <laughs> but until the restaurant actually acts like a five-star restaurant, it can't claim that it's a five-star restaurant. It can try, but you know it's a lie. The same thing happens when you try to tell someone you love them. I can love you and say, oh, I love you all I want until I demonstrate. Love is completed when it is done in action. So instead of thinking that obedience means loving God, what I'd love for you to consider is that Jesus is revealing that our obedience to God is a byproduct of loving God. So our obedience is a response to God's love for us, not the way that we prove to God that he should love us. But do you love God all the time? Like, this is not your question and this is not a guilt question because I don't. I'm asking as a judge, I'm asking as someone who's like, I don't love Jesus all the time. See, in this life, we will be called upon by different suitors, other people and things will call for the affection of our hearts and we'll forget how much we're loved by God and we'll forget how much we are meant to love God. But on the same token, on the flip side, sometimes life gets so hard that it begins to darken the face of God and it seems like his love is hidden from us. And so whether it's that everything's going right and you forget about God's love or everything is going wrong and you can't even see God's love. See, our love for God is fickle in either circumstance. But it is important for us to actually obey God because to love God is more than obedience. To love God is to be in relationship with him. That's what it means to keep his commandments. And what I love about the commandments of God is that they're not a set of rules. Okay, I know you hear that sometimes, like you gotta follow this rule and this rule and this rule. When God talks about, when Jesus talks about commandments, he's talking about his teachings. And when you even just read the book of John, do you know what his commandments are? There are things that we want. Receive me. Let me love you. Let me pour my mercy onto you. Follow after me. It's about relationship, not rules. Jesus' commands are all centered on life with him. And because God so desperately wants relationship with his people, he provides the spirit. See, in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy God gave the prophet Ezekiel. And he says this in Ezekiel 36. God says that he will give his people a new heart. Where there was a heart of stone, God would replace with a heart of flesh. So what this means is that God would cause the hearts of his people to come to life and have proper affections. And you know how God does that? Through the spirit. And we'll talk about that another time. But God continues to say that not only will he give people hearts of flesh, but that he will put the spirit, his spirit within his people so that they would walk and obey his commandments. So this is exactly what John 14 is saying. God gives his people a heart to love him and provides the spirit so that we would be with him. 
Where do you fall in that equation? You just get to receive. When's the last time you looked at your Christian walk with Jesus where you just get to receive? When's the last time where you felt like you just didn't have to do everything for God? And I don't mean that you don't surrender to him. I just mean that you don't feel like you have the burden to convince God that you're worth his time. And he says here, you're the recipient of all of this. And when Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected, this prophecy that's seen in Ezekiel 36 became a reality for all believers of Jesus from that point on. So if you're sitting in this room and you are a disciple of Jesus, this is your new reality. You have a new heart that is able to love God. And you have a spirit that will help you obey God and walk with him. How many of us tonight feel like you just don't know how to love God all the time? That you just don't know how to stay away from that sin? And you'll hear so many sermons and messages and podcasts that say you have everything it takes inside of you to do the right thing. You don't. I don't. We don't. That's why he provides us a new heart and a new spirit. Because we cannot do it ourselves. What we have to see here is that the Holy Spirit is the one who binds us and solidifies our relationship with God. Because in the beginning, we saw that we can't do this life with God God without the Holy Spirit, but we can't even be in relationship with God if it were not for the Holy Spirit. And this is so foundational to life with God because when we miss out on this reality, we become obsessed on following the the commands of God like it's a duty. I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do this and I have to do that. Have you ever spent time with someone that says, man, I, I have to do that with you? Like imagine going on a date with someone and being like, I have to like pick you up. And it's like, shoot, you get to pick me up. <laughs> if we don't like that with one another, why do you think God would enjoy that? Relationship with God is not a duty. It's something we get to have. And when we grasp the understanding that the Spirit of God helps us love God more and obey his commands more, we actually end up loving God more because we know that God is literally helping us do it. Uh, Anybody here bad at math? Cool. I'm not, I'm just letting you know. It's all good. (laughs) But you know, like if you're bad at math, like you had your parents help you with your homework, right? Like I need help with my math. Um, I wasn't always good at math. But um, my mom my dad used the one, usually was the one who got home first. And so he'd be the one to help me with math. And there's something about doing math with your parents. <laughs> like, like two plus two suddenly becomes calculus. You're like, what is two plus two, Caesar? Tuna, I don't know, like what? Because you're just so focused on trying to please your parent and you're trying to, get, trying to do it right and not get the wrong answer. But we become so obsessed with trying to not do it wrong and trying to do it right that all of a sudden, the thing that we're trying to do becomes impossible. This is what life, being obsessed with trying to please God, looks like. When you're trying to earn his affection, you become so obsessed with trying to prove yourself to him that you actually don't get to enjoy the thing that you long for, which is relationship with him. And he says, you don't have to do that. Because life with the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming alongside us and showing us how to be with God. He says, you you don't have to strive. You get to just be with God because I've provided a way. 
And so some of you in this room, I hope this frees some of y'all tonight. Some of y'all need to be taking it easy on yourselves. Like you're way too hard on yourself when it comes to your relationship with God. This is in no way excusing our call to be obedient and for us and our responsibility to be with God. But what I'm saying is that God has given you all that you need to be with him. But some of us look like spiritual dobbies, shaking in our boots, hitting ourselves, calling ourselves failures and constantly bracing ourselves for punishment to come. But the Spirit has given you all that you need to confidently go to Jesus so that instead of trying to spend your time earning your way back to relationship with God, you can spend time being with the one that you actually long to be with. But it isn't until you know the Spirit and are engaged with the Spirit that you get to actually experience that. See, I spent most of my life actually genuinely avoiding the Holy Spirit. Which is kind of funny that like the Lord would lead me to do this is like, Caesar, I gotta teach you something. So I grew up in a Pentecostal church and, and a common feature in Pentecostal churches is that they believe that they exercise and operate strongly in the spirit. And I actually have a lot of respect for my Pentecostal brothers and sisters. So if you're here, this is no knock on you at all. Because actually Pentecostals really aim to make sure that the Holy Spirit is honored as part of the Trinity. It's not just father and son. It's not just father or just son. It's father, son, and Holy Spirit. But growing up, I saw more manifestations of the Holy Spirit than I saw people actually be full of the Spirit. It's really easy to play a Christian. But knowing what I know now, I genuinely wish I had lived more closely to the Spirit of God, but I just never was taught how to do that. And so as a result, there was always this constant sense of distance between the life of God that I read about in the Bible and the life that I was living. Like no matter how hard I tried to walk with God, it always felt like it was too hard. Like it felt like God was dangling this life before me and I just couldn't jump high enough to reach it. Life with God felt more like a theory than it did a tangible reality. I don't know if any of you can relate, relate with that. But Jesus promises a life of fullness for you and for me. But what we as the Western church have failed to do is recognize that we can only access what God has promised by being in relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who empowers and enables us to do the impossible. And I don't mean like be Spider-Man and, and jump off buildings impossible. I mean the impossibility of the ordinary. Like when, you, when your life is falling apart, what is your instant reaction? What is it? Distress, despair, anger, crying, sadness. And yet God says, even in the midst of your trials, you can find joy. How in the world do I do that? The Spirit. God says that when, you, when your life is falling apart, he will never let it fall apart ultimately and that he will carry you. How can I trust you? The Spirit. That relationship, that abusive relationship or just that relationship that you have no business being in, that you've been in for years and you can't seem to break it off, you know who's gonna help you leave? Spirit. Forgiving those who have harmed you, they don't deserve your forgiveness, but God calls you to forgive them. Who helps you do that? The Spirit. 
That addiction that you can't seem to run away from or get away from or stay away from, do you know who can provide freedom? The Spirit. And that opportunity that you've been wanting to take or that God has been offering to you that you just are too afraid to take because either you feel like you don't deserve it or it'll be too hard, the Holy Spirit will be the one to trust, that will allow you to trust God through the process. Listen, anything that Jesus is calling for you to do or to receive is made readily available through the Holy Spirit. So my only question to you tonight is this. Will you let yourself know him tonight? That's it. I've hit you with a fire hydrant of information. But all of it is with the purpose of asking, do you want to know that person? In verse verse 17, Jesus says, you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit is someone you're meant to know. Not just know about, but to know in relationship. And so tonight was to serve as a primer for the rest of the series, and I hope I've done that. But my hope and prayer is that tonight we would become open and even excited about what a spirit-filled life looks like practically. Because I firmly believe that over the next few months, as we yield our lives to God, the Father will have the Spirit come and break strongholds over our lives. That healing and restoration will happen in ways you've never experienced. That we would become a community of deeper peace, deeper joy, and deeper love. That the more full of the spirit we become, we can't help but pour out the spirit of God onto others around us. But this is ultimately an invitation to go from here tonight and enjoy all that you've learned about what the spirit has done for you. He's filled you with the power and presence of God so you are not weak and powerless. He has provided you the safety of knowing that you are forever bound to Jesus. You don't have to worry about whether God loves you or not. Jesus has promised it and the Holy Spirit confirms it. That tonight, from here on out, you will grow in your love and obedience to God. If the Spirit of God has already done this much, how much more will he reveal to us in the months to come? So my encouragement is that you keep coming back. Come back next week, come the week after that and continue. And let's take this journey as we discover who the person of the Holy Spirit is together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we desire you. Many of us may not know it, because we've attributed it to the wrong person. We misunderstand what you do. We misunderstand who you are. Or maybe some of us are just avoiding who you are. Because life with you is uncontrollable. We don't get to control you. We don't get to use your power and abuse your presence. But you want us to know who you are so that we experience freedom that lives would be transformed. God, I pray for this young adult community. I pray for myself and repent for the fact that we have not pursued you rightly. Forgive us, Father, for not seeking after this helper. Oh, Jesus, would you settle in our hearts 
Would you cause our hearts to yearn for the Holy Spirit? That we would run to learn more about him and to be in relationship with him. Holy Spirit, come. Just as the Father breathed life into Adam through you, would you restore and breathe new life into us? Oh God, would you send your Ruach into this community? Bring us to life, to more fullness of life. We yearn for you. We long for you. Holy Spirit, you're invited here. We want you here. We need you here. Please never leave our side. Help us have eyes to see and ears to hear all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.